Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, wait, hang on. That's wrong. Dude. Salutations, listeners. <laughs> Dude, some respect for the dead. Sivalis Vallejo. <laughs> Fellow Magulis. <laughs> nano, nano. nano. <laughs> fucking nailed it uh all right thank you for tuning in everybody this is three men and a basement and we are the ultra crepidarians my name is colin mcleod mark up here timothy magic in this podcast we like to review movies and we like to deliver to you the listener uh our opinion an average schmuck's opinion about the hidden gems in the wide world cinema in the show, we try to target movies that are not blockbuster smashes. Uh, we also try and target ones that are not so obscure that you could not get your hands on a copy even if you wanted to. But instead, we aim for that delightful sweet spot right in the middle. We like to look for movies that, are, in our experience, too few people have seen, uh, maybe people have only heard of, or ones that people may have heard of but forgotten about and deserve another watch. We review these movies and we deliver to you our take on whether or not they're worth hunting down. In this... The eighth episode of the series, we watched the movie, It Follows. Uh, yeah, so should we jump right into IMDb, or does anybody have something that they, they just absolutely need to get off their chest before we begin? I think we need to just dig into this. We need to dig into it now. I think something that may be helpful for our listeners, and, and also for us, is I feel like right up front we should mention that this is the kind of movie that maybe like keep it buttoned up until you've seen it, so we're going to like try our best to avoid active spoilers before the spoilers section um because it's the kind of movie that just if it at all piques your interest from this beginning section that we're going to try and keep a lid on go out and watch it and then go on to the spoiler section but it is the kind of movie that benefits from a tight lid yes it's a very it's our most current movie we've done on the episode it is this movie was 2014 mm-hmm. 15 release date i think Oh, was it? Okay. I think it got held up. Okay, so IMDb's got it at 2014. Tim's hitting us with some knowledge saying uh, release may have been as late as 2015. Ah, yes, yes. 2015 it does say below. Uh, So maybe... Maybe that bracket is 2014. It might be like a like a limited release, wide release thing. I'm thinking coastal festivals for first in 2014, wider Mm -hmm. 2015. That's that's typically what happens. Fair enough. Rated R. Definitely appropriate rated R. Yeah. Maybe don't watch this one with the kids. A lot of boobies. Um, I think there's there's actually full male frontal. That doesn't. Besides besides getting an eyeful of this gentleman, that doesn't spoil anything. (laughs) We got a uh, one hour and 40 minute runtime horror mystery thriller as our genres. I feel like that pegs it. Yep. Coming of age. Yeah. coming of age no no it, it's it's definitely not straight horror you know it's it's definitely got those this thriller i think some people have a difficult time sussing out what's the difference between a thriller and mm-hmm. a horror watch this movie and you'll see what you, this isn't this isn't straight horror you know mm-hmm. i don't know no i agree i think i think there's a fine line between horror and thriller and i think that line is very like specific to the person mm-hmm. and this movie i would classify probably as both but I would put it maybe like between the two, 70% thriller, like 30% horror. I could agree. Yeah. And then I think mystery, 100%, mm-hmm. uh, oh, which yeah. is which is again why this movie benefits mm-hmm. from sort of tight yeah. lips. Again, you know, come back to this podcast if you haven't seen this mu- much more recent film because it starts you out very much in the dark. Mm-hmm. IMDb's got it at a 6.8 rating. And it's. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tipping my hat. <laughs> Uh, and it's, uh, description on IMDb, 
A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. I feel like that is a very apt description, and that's about as much as you want to hear. Covers the first 15 minutes. There we go. It does. That's a good... Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. The first 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. that's probably all you can reveal without giving out too much of this movie. Mm. Director David Robert Mitchell... Do we know him from anything else? I know him more from writing credits on other um, film and TV, but I really don't know his directing styles very strongly. Fair yeah. enough. I think yeah. this movie in particular, I I, I don't think I recognized a, a single member on the cast. So, as far as the cast goes, let's jump right into that. We got Bailey Spry as the lead here. I didn't recognize her, but she, she basically looks like if Brittany Murphy and... Mary Elizabeth Winstead had a baby. That's that's who it would look like. It she's really like half the time she looks like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, half the time she looks like Brittany Murphy. She's very pretty, and she, I think she does a pretty pretty good job in this movie. Uh, there are not a lot of other names uh, that you'd probably recognize. Uh, the one you might, the only person I recognized by face was Keir Gilchrist. Gilchrist, not sure how you say it. Apologies, uh, but I did actually uh, recognize him. A little bit. Uh, he was also in the movie It's Kind of a Funny Story with Zach Galifianakis, uh, if you've seen that. Mm, he was in Dead I Silence, which was a pretty good movie. Both were good, yeah. Um, I think Dead Silence is actually on our list, and it's kind of a funny story. I don't know if I own it, but that should also be on our list. I'd recommend both those, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's hitting with the IMDb stats. I think that covers it pretty much. Yeah, we can probably um, jump into it. Yeah, w- so would we recommend this movie? Yes. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's over the fifty percent. I again, I know, I feel like I say this every every week, but mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I do recommend it to the the thriller horror enthusiast. Yes, this has recently joined um, my catalog of October favorites. It hits so many notes for me. Filmed a good chunk uh, in in our backyard uh, here in the Metro Detroit area. I don't actively seek out teen movies um, these days, but, you know, teen thrillers are a staple of the season. So if you're looking for something fresher in your October lineup, rather than just, you know, Army of Darkness again, or Nosferatu, all all good, watch It Follows this year. If you have not done that to your your collection, even just streaming, watch it. Watch it at least once, 100% all the way through. I would also agree. I I think it's over the 50% mark for me. Somebody came to me and said, hey, I heard about this movie. It follows. Should I watch it? I'd say absolutely check it out, especially if you're like a horror thriller kind of fan. I think it's actually even got surprisingly good watchability, which I don't think a lot of uh, mystery movies have that. I think that's something that sort of once the element yeah. is is sort of out of the box mm-hmm. um there are very few movies like alien is i think is probably yeah. a good movie that has great rewatchability even though at the end of the movie you really get a good feel for the xenomorphs mm-hmm. which in with like a horror context makes it less scary typically. typically um i think this is more akin to alien than it is to other mystery movies yeah. um and i think that there was a lot going on be not behind the scenes but um that, that wasn't in the foreground of the shots um so like background shots establishing shots there were things that were sort of going on that you thought might have been tied into what was going on with the characters at the moment 
but they didn't elaborate it on on it. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't confirm anything. There's definitely some rewatchability just to catch those little mm-hmm. Easter eggs. You know, was was that intentional? Am I reading into things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was something I kind of pulled from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, if you didn't, if you don't like this stuff, skip it. But do yourself a favor. If it even mildly piques your interest, I gotta say, watch it, please. Can't stress that enough. And I haven't done that, I don't think, on a title yet. So I think that's three wrecks all around. Are we ready to move into spoilers? Let's just do it. All right. Spoilers! All right, we are uh, well into spoiler territory. Please turn it off and, and go watch it if you don't want it to be spoiled for you. Where does this movie open up? Right here in the great smitten of... Uh, oh, Tim lovely. Smitten with the mitten. Mm-hmm. Smitten with the <coughs> right mitten. here in Metro Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there and was a lot of lot of shots of the area that you know. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with the specific street that they were on, but like you could tell, this was this was done local. Definitely. So basically, what we got with this movie is it opens up. It's pretty tense, even from the opening, and we see this girl basically, like, run out of her house, she's running, we don't know what she's running from, but she's very upset, she's very distraught, she runs back into the house, I and then... keep this, uh, side, side note, again, this is where I'm gonna interject with how much I fucking love the artistic direction of this film, the camera stays put. That's true. Camera stays in the middle of the street. Camera we stays in the middle her. of the street. Yep, and it and it sort of pans around. Can. It just yeah. rotates mm-hmm. to follow her. There's, there's a, a couple of things. Long there's a couple yeah. of those in here. So and right off the bat, fucking amazing execution of Disturbia, of unconventional openings <clears throat> and and of just questionable nature. Like, well, we're looking. We're seeing her from our perspective. We're standing in the street. What? What what can we do? Can we help her? Oh, I don't yes. know. Yeah, and she actually she mm-hmm. runs completely around the camera, I believe. Completely she, around. She, she, yeah. So it's basically like, imagine a camera sitting in the middle of the street pointed at a house. She runs out of it, very distraught. She kind of runs down the street a little bit. The camera, you know, turns maybe camera 90 right. degrees yeah. to, to follow her. And then she runs what would have been behind the camera when the scene started mm-hmm. and the camera's following the whole time, does basically a full 360. She goes back into the house and she runs out, gets in the car, and <clears throat> takes off mm-hmm. and the next scene she's calling her father on her cell phone and she's sitting on a beach and she's very uh very distraught and she's sort of like basically saying her last goodbyes you can tell mm-hmm. and then after a beat she turns up horribly murdered like on that on that same spot on and the her, beach and her the beach leg is snapped uh in the wrong direction mm-hmm. Not that there's a proper direction for your leg to be snapped in, but yeah, she's been fucked up. Snapped into dancing, maybe. I'm going to be honest, I have a pecking order for how I would like my leg snapped, mm-hmm. and that's the last of the positions <laughs> I would want snapped. Probably. Knee, knee yeah. going the other direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> that's the yeah. very bottom of my leg. Yeah, go ahead and snap my leg in that way, list. Back, back way, and then have all my you know leg bits come out the other side of it. <laughs> it may not be healthy for yeah. me to be carrying around an index of how I would prefer my leg to be snapped, but I'm showing my hand here. That's down on my list. You gotta, yeah. you gotta keep that in the lockbox with other sensitive documents so your enemies don't find it, Colin. Yeah, I mean, snapping in general, like, mm-hmm. number one, probably, mm-hmm. I would like to snap into right. a Slim Jim. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of, going down from there, yeah. way, way down on the list, is, yeah. is having my knee yeah. snapped in the wrong direction. This is way worse than that knee-bashing scene in the first Kick-Ass movie, Megad, and that was disturbing enough. Yeah. Megad. So, once we've established that there is something going on, 
it uh, I think at that point it kind of transitioned into our main characters and just kind of sets them up. Um, and uh, our, yeah, we get a, a brief introduction to Jay and her crew. Um, her household. She is life. the main character. Jay, is the main, Jay character. is the main character. Um, <clears throat> she you know seems like a pretty comfortable suburban girl. Yep, it's date night. It's, it's date, date night. It's date night. Um, Honestly, it's pretty tense even even in those scenes. Like, the way it's shot, the way it's drawn out, mm-hmm. it's it's very uncomfortable. And she ends up going on this date with this guy who you, you are led to believe is a very nice guy. The, her, her sister in the movie says she really likes him. Mm-hmm. And they end up going to this movie... Which is at the Redford Theater, a very classic, which I think ties into another thing I love about this indistinguished era. We don't know exactly what year it is. We can judge modernish times. We see some modern lightning and some blight in the city and and a little bit of that. But we don't see flat screen TVs. Uh, we don't see uh, our main characters drive fancy Priuses or nothing like that. You know, you know what? That's that is true too. We it have a main character that, that has this like kind of weird clamshell cell phone e-reader thing mm-hmm. that I don't recognize, but it, it looks very modern. Mm-hmm. But then every TV in the entire movie is like an old CRT. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna that. be honest. This I was gonna I was gonna say this for a little later, but I got to jump in with it now. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my least favorite parts of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it kept taking me out of it. Oh, it did. Because, like, I, I think there's a way to do this sort of, like, nondescript time movie. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of movies do that, and they do it effectively. And mm-hmm. it, it's basically a way of setting a movie in a time and place, or a, a non-time and place, rather. So you're not distracted by anything like, oh, they could have just done this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're if in a horror movie, it's like, oh, they could have just pulled out their cell phone and called somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think what they were trying to avoid in this movie is a situation where it's like, oh, why didn't they just pull out their cell phone? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're basically, uh, your response is supposed to be, well, I don't even know if they would have a cell phone, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what time and place we're actually in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was everything from the costumes to the to the telephones, the e-readers, the the TVs, like you mentioned, the fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the characters are wearing jackets that were very like nineteen seventies, nineteen fifties. Yeah, the houses were were very nondescript. They were built in the fifties. Mm-hmm. It basically could have been any time between then mm-hmm. and now, with the exception of maybe the e-reader. And it takes you out of it. It doesn't like point to an homage since it uh, has I, the classic cars. The I definitely old, old see. Movies. I definitely see what they were going for. Okay. But for me, it actually like sort of. There was a part of me that was like a little frustrated almost, mm-hmm. and I kept wanting to pin down when it was, mm-hmm. and it was like distracting me from the actual movie. Whereas I, I think, in other movies, it was done more effectively, and I didn't even question it. Oh. Like you know, it doesn't even like enter into my head. Mm-hmm. But because they had certain elements there. They had, like, the TVs. And they're watching these, like, old movies from the 50s. And it's not that you can't watch old movies from the 50s, but, like... Teenagers aren't doing that in mass. In 2015, teenagers are not yeah. sitting around watching a, you know, giant bug film from the 50s these, on, on an old CRT television. The, these nerds are. I'm sorry. I think Paul is that big of a nerd, the, the main... Uh, one of the main uh, males in this movie. He, he looks like a goober a good chunk of the time. He is not cool. He yeah. is trying to hang out with girls, but they are just more like extended sisters to him. He's just the innocent boy, and he's like into nerdy shit. 
Yeah, I think that probably what they were going for probably worked perfectly on me. I'll just throw myself yeah. under the bus because it mm -hmm. didn't jump out to me. I didn't notice it while I was watching it. And it wasn't until just us talking about it that I made the connections that we had very conflicting technologies that were coexisting that just don't. That is kind of funny that like Tim noticed it and liked it. I noticed it and didn't like it. And you didn't notice it at all. So this actually on a broad, like on a sort of broad population statistical perspective mm -hmm. may not be an issue. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I, I think it works for me gotta, because they never, excuse me. Yeah, go, go, go for it. I, I think it works for me because it never said Detroit 2015 at any one point mm. in, in a tighter scroll or never has showed a calendar. We, we It was left ambiguous intentionally, I think. And yeah. I like that. There, there were times where I felt like I was watching a modern movie, and there mm -hmm. were times where I felt like I was watching The Goonies. Yeah. You know, where it was just some kids coming together, like, trying to do some crazy shit. Like, the, the endings, we're, we're thoroughly in spoilers here. You know, them concocting this plan to somehow electrocute the bad guy at the end. Again, we're in spoilers mm -hmm. here. Didn't make a whole lot of sense, but either way... It had that like kind of Goonies vibe where mm -hmm. it's like just some kids getting together and throwing some shit against mm -hmm. the wall and seeing what's stuck. Yeah. It will, does, say, and I like that, yeah. but at the same time, I almost think that if it had said like mm -hmm. Detroit 2015, mm -hmm. it would have I would have been able to dismiss everything else as just like a quirky situation. Like, oh yeah, he's clearly the nerdy guy who just likes to watch these old black and white movies, and it just so happens that everybody on every block still has a CRT television in 2015. I don't even have to like reconcile why that's the case because it's already been established that it's 2015, but leaving it mm -hmm. open and, and ambiguous like that, I, I found myself constantly going back and forth on it. Like, wait, is this 2015? Mm -hmm. Is this 1995? Mm -hmm. Is this 1985? Mm -hmm. You know, is this, where are we? Um, but I think, you know, at least two out of the three of us, it didn't bother. Mm -hmm. So, as a viewer, maybe this is not something that... Maybe something you noticed and didn't bother you, or maybe it's something that you just didn't notice at all. So, probably not something to concern yourself with too much. But it definitely it definitely got to me a little. Um, right, so we open... We're, we're rewinding the tape a little bit. We're back on our... Uh, our first date. <laughs> our first date. In a charming to, cinema. <laughs> yeah, in, in the Redford Theater. Um, <laughs> right. uh, Tim and I actually, uh, a number of years ago, saw The Blob at the Redford yeah. Theater, and that was that was pretty awesome. Seen quite a handful of festivals and uh, movies. So again, you're obviously a cinephile listening to this. Check out that theater, and then you can yeah. sit, and you can sit where our leads sat. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're in the um, the Detroit metro area, Redford Theater is the you know yeah, they always it's got worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're waiting Free in line. They're <laughs> waiting in line at the theater, mm -hmm. and they're they're kind of bored or whatever. They're passing mm -hmm. the time, and the game that they choose to play is. Uh, well, I forget the name. It doesn't matter. Um, they're looking at the people Switch around them. With Switch places, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trading places, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, the object of, of their little game is to look around, find somebody in the crowd that they would want to switch places with, and then the other person will try to figure out who it is. And what this ultimately leads to is they're they're in the auditorium, about ready to, to watch whatever it is that they're going to watch. Man, I'm getting distracted. Remember that they had the organist playing mm -hmm. at that theater, too. Yeah, yeah that happens well, the, there, too. The theater, that actually happens the there. The theater itself... Mm -hmm. Like the choice of the Redford Theater and not like a multiplex, man, the more was very calculated, this. and it was very mm -hmm. like sort of 
distracting and misleading. I'm like, why would they be going to see a movie at the Redford Theater if it wasn't like some kind of special showing? Which it could have been in 2015. Right, I think it was. But it also could have. What was on the marquee? It was charade. It, but it also yeah. could have been like 1975, and they're mm-hmm. seeing a regular ass movie. Man, True. Man, the more I talk <laughs> about this, so the more I'm, I'm just getting caught. Anyway, mm-hmm. they're doing this, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, it's it's the the guy's turn. He's trying to guess what the what the girl was saying. He looks behind them, and he believes he sees this woman in a yellow dress. And so he makes the comment, you know, is it is it her over there? And he points over there, and the girl in the yellow dress, and she says, I, I don't I don't see anybody. Are you are you joking with me? You know what is this? He said, No, right, right over there, you know. Um, and she doesn't see him, you know. Like I I don't know if you're just trying to mess with me here. All of a sudden, once he realizes that she can't see the person that he's pointing out, she, he in a becomes very distinct yellow dress. Yeah, yeah, he becomes very mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Starts shifting around in his seat and says, You know what? Let's let's get out of here. Let's just go. And at that point, you don't know why. You just know that he's all of a sudden very uncomfortable. And they, they transition to the next scene where they're, what, I think the next part, they're, they're doing it in a parking lot? Basically, yeah. It cuts to them in a, in a car. It's the second getting... date, though. It's, uh, they establish this like, oh, he seemed nervous. He seemed distracted by something. I don't know. I want to do it, but I oh, don't that's right. Know. It is a second. You're, yeah, date. you're right. Yeah. Actually, feels, actually, I think it's I think it's a fourth date. Yeah. Because I think the uh, yeah. in the original scene, they're like, "Oh, we're going out on our third date." That's why yeah. her sister's like, "I like him. Like, mm-hmm. he seems nice." Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. So this is like they're a few dates in, fourth date, whatever, and they end up in this parking lot in a car, and they're getting hot and heavy, and and they do the uh, they do the nasty in the pasty, and or maybe in the presenty, and we're not sure. Sorry, <laughs> shamelessly going back to the <laughs> date thing. <laughs> and uh, they finish. She's kind of laying in the back seat, and he goes to the trunk, which should be a fucking red flag, red flag right there. Uh, have you never seen a horror movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he comes back and he chloroforms her, and then the next which thing which takes actually a lot longer than film gives us gives that credit for. <laughs> Full disclosure here that I've never actually seen someone chloroformed. No, it's just a, it's an. It's old been med- years for me. It's yeah. an old, quote unquote, medicine, uh, but to knock out people. But it took forever for uh, not not very good anesthesia. Yeah. So she comes to. She's hey, been tied. So, uh, real quick, Mark and I are going to take a few steps away from Tim, and we might seem quieter, but we're we're. Honestly, just try not to get chloroformed. It's a guys, concern. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Guys, when, <laughs> when you join me this next July in Gettysburg for our recreation of that amazing battle in July, you're going to you're gonna see me do some sawboning. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to cut somebody's leg off, Mark, and I'm going to chloroform them. Okay, oh so Mark and I have about a year left before we are amputees. <laughs> and Oh, no, the chloroform is for the generals. You guys just get a stick and some whiskey. So speaking of whiskey, she's tied to uh, <laughs> she's Queen tied to like a, a wheelchair that he somehow had in the trunk, I guess. I don't know. And he says, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't, you know, I just, I, you have to see what what happens. You wouldn't believe me otherwise. And he's kind of pacing around her, and she's mm-hmm. obviously uncomfortable at the whole thing and confused. Yeah, and I don't know where he says, oh, uh, here, here it comes, here it comes. You know, you got to see this. And he wheels her over to the edge. And down, you know, maybe 100 feet away, there's this nude woman just walking towards them. 
and um, he starts freaking out. He's running away from her. He does this weird sort of cat and mouse thing where he lets whatever this entity is, you know, get kind of close to them so that she can see that it's not human. You know, it's not reacting the way that a human would. And while he is while he is pacing around looking for this thing, he is explaining. Uh, it doesn't sound like explaining. It sounds like rambling to begin with. But he's basically saying, "Listen, this thing was given to me, and I gave it to you. It happens when you have sex." He didn't say that quite in that way, but basically that's how it happens, and it follows you. That's the namesake of the movie. It follows. And he's sort of giving details about it. It will always be walking, so it doesn't move fast. You know, he's giving tips. Also, he's dropping. He's like, "Don't go into any place that has less than three exits." Mm-hmm. Um, it will. It may look like somebody you know. It may look like a complete stranger. It basically takes on whatever form it can to get close to you. Uh, so he's he's giving all of this information, and he's basically saying, like, I'm sorry I had to pass this on to you. Otherwise, it's going to get me. And I'm telling you all of this. I'm helping you out because if it kills you, it's coming after me. It immedi- It goes back to the person who last had it when it kills its victim. And uh, then he, as, as Mark had said, he lets it get close so she can see that it's real. And then he rushes her out of there. And drops her off at home, like ba- literally. The horror pu- of her family and friends. Yeah, to the horror of her. Exactly. Her sisters and friend. Yeah, they were sitting on the porch, yeah. and they are, Mom's as you can imagine, asleep. horrified. Because yeah. um, um, he just basically I, boots her out of her car, and in that still scene, with hands bound. Yeah. And in that scene, just imagine if that was the first time you ever were in a zombie movie, the first time you were ever in a body snatcher movie. This premise would just sound absurd. Like, I can't believe that any of this alien from another world. It uh, something following me because I had sex get out of here with this and it's gonna what follow everyone that ever did it what follow the what is this so it's so i would be confused just as jay is at this point in the film and very disturbed yeah all of the all of the friends Mm -hmm. and obviously the main character are very confused don't believe it's real question everything um i think we can sort of sum up the next like 40 minutes 40 minutes in basically Mm -hmm. like it's both convincing her and all of her friends, that it is in fact real, it is in fact following her, changing shape. It's true that nobody who hasn't had it can see it. Um, they do end up effectively tracking down the guy who had used a fake name and all of this stuff in order to pass it on to her. They find him, he ends up explaining a little bit more about it, how he got it, what its MO is. She ends up passing it on to a neighbor who she thought it would be safe with. He knew all of this. He was with them. And ultimately, he ends up getting killed by it. So it goes Mm -hmm. back to her. Mm -hmm. And then they end up, she and the main characters, the other main characters end up setting a trap for it Mm -hmm. in a public pool Mm -hmm. um, where basically they were going to electrocute it by like plugging in a bunch of electrical equipment. Again, nondescript in terms of time period, like toasters from the 80s, like hair dryers from the 90s, yeah. CRT televisions, all this shit. Mm. And they plug it in all around this pool with the intention of luring it into the pool and then dumping all of the equipment in. Yeah. Let me. I, I know we're not talking about the things that we had an issue with here, but I'm just going to throw yeah, it in there. We'll just, we'll just mix it all up together. Go yeah. for it. So that's their plan. They surround the pool with these electrical appliances that they have plugged in. The entity proceeds to throw them into the pool at her 
No one's getting electrocuted. No one ever gets electrocuted. So it did show at least that, like, most of them got unplugged when it when it threw them. But I think that you was could actually you see the cords. cords. But you yeah. sort of inferred that there wasn't like no, a no. Scene it did actually show that, like the the end of the cord. You could see it when it mm. threw like a toaster or something. It would unplug. Yeah, but you, we didn't have a scene where like we saw the cord saw the actual. You're right. You're it was right. Like yeah. she, he was throwing the appliances in there, and you just kind of assume that if he's throwing them, that they are no longer connected. Yeah, he's he, he and he's not tossing them. He's this is a very strong monster. We find out as the movie goes on. It's chucking them in the center of a pool like it's a papered ball yeah and we're gonna say so he I'm and sure. she throughout this because oh, yeah, it's like the mo- it's, it's a monster yeah. but it takes human form and it can be male or female in this particular so scene, in the scene we're gonna say he or she in this particular scene it's a male yeah um and it's chucking um like again like they were little wiffle balls um so and again it kind of you know you kind of hear the snap coming off of the cord yeah. Well, you can of. actually see the end of the cord in, yeah, a, in the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're right, Mark. The directors did not. The director did not make like an explicit choice to show it unplugging mm-hmm. to explain why and it could. nobody's getting electrocuted. And wouldn't that add to the tension in the moment? Like, no, they're playing backfire. They're gonna kill her. I mean, I suppose moment of you know, moment of panic for Jay. But what ultimately kills the entity at the end? I mean, we see the character shooting supposedly. Yeah, Alleged, spo- allegedly. Allegedly, again, we're in spoilers. He's, we don't know. We we've got the character who is who's shooting into the pool at the monster, and strikes it. We see blood, but we had already established earlier in the film that you can shoot this thing in the face, and it'll just get right back up, mm-hmm. like in so no time. I don't know what they accomplished or what they believed mm-hmm. that they had accomplished. I mean, yeah, that that was disturbing. the end of the movie. Was mm-hmm. it was supposed to be left open, open. and like. In the end of the movie, there's this dude who clearly wants to have sex with her the whole time, kind of the nerdy friend. They do end up having sex, so if it's still following her, it is now following him, and the very end, it doesn't show the thing actually dying, it shows, like, blood pooling mm-hmm. in the th- in the right. pool. Does it, does um, it hold the, true the, to the rules if it bleeds, you can kill it? Right. Does it? Does it? Uh, we don't know. And the last, the last scene in the movie is them walking down the street with their hands being held mm-hmm. and, like, somebody walking very deliberately mm-hmm. behind them. Which wasn't in the frame at first. He enters the frame later. Yeah. So it's very, it's left open about whether or not they killed it. And I think that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty idiosyncratic in a lot of ways. Like, it, it repeats a lot from other films and it repeats a lot from itself. Um, sort of escalating each time. I think there is sort of like a, a certain monotony to the movie. Yeah, I yeah. felt like it was original enough for me, though, that I didn't feel like I was going down, um, you know, I, I didn't know what the next thing was going to happen. It wasn't... I thought the content was extremely original. Like, yeah. the whole the whole concept yeah. was mm-hmm. v- unlike anything else that's out there, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think, again, uh, harking back to old movies the monsters are very slow to get to the victim a lot of times they're just going after one young blonde woman aren't we all yep (laughs) (laughs) married a couple in my my time (laughs) my my wife doesn't listen to this podcast does she i follow i follow i followed them they got away (laughs) 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 creepy uh yeah so i gotta say i think this movie was extremely well directed well shot Mm -hmm. um Kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is to, to give a regular schmuck's opinion, and I don't think most people notice the directing in most films. I think mm-hmm. directing is supposed to be something that goes unnoticed by the viewer, and it happens to you 
you are not a sort of like conscious participant in it. I think this movie breaks that mold and it's something that the average viewer, I think, will pick up on how interesting this movie is shot. Uh, these really like long scenes that are very tense, very interesting camera angles. Uh, again, you know, going back to that first scene, full 360. Mm-hmm. There was another scene that I am I was a, at the school that I was yeah. really into. Oh, yeah. It literally was a shot from inside a school, mm-hmm. and the camera did two or three rotations. Mm-hmm. The first time it was basically is very nondescript. Mm-hmm. The second time there is somebody in the quad or whatever you want to call it, walking very deliberately towards the doors that yeah. the camera is directly in front of. Yeah, not on the not on the sidewalk through the grass. Through the grass. Yeah. Yeah, and the char- the main characters are in an adjacent I, room. So I you're remember, basically I don't even think it's a window. I, I think it's a window, not even doors. Is it and a window? They're not even like making a beeline for the doors. They're walking in a straight line towards the office that Jay's in. Oh, I thought it was a. I thought I it was, it was a, a window. A, I thought it was a window in a door, like one of those. Maybe outside I doors. could be wrong, but but um, either I but think, either way, again, basically, like, line of sight would be perfect for it to see. True, Jay, and be like, I'm walking toward you. you know? Either way, you basically got this really like interesting shot where the camera mm-hmm. is spinning. Mm-hmm. The characters are in a, an adjacent room, mm-hmm. and a potential threat is just sort of like beelining it for them. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's the monster. You don't know if it's not. They don't know. And every it's time awesome. the camera spins, the monster gets closer, mm-hmm. and they don't move. Or mm-hmm. not even saying the monster gets closer. The person, the person, gets the person, closer. yeah. Because they don't. And Jade's they don't oblivious. ever do anything with it either. And mm-hmm. I think that that's I appreciate that. I love that, that. because well, there's so many of those in there now. Maybe mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. wasn't the monster. Mm-hmm. You really there's, don't. There's ever so know. many. There's so many intense ones where it is, and there's so many fake outs. Mm-hmm. Like instead of just doing a jump or like having like oh, a cat moment, <laughs> uh, it's like oh oh thank God it was just the wind. No, it's literally just a silent person methodically coming towards you. Maybe they're just daydreaming. They're completely have no interest in you. Maybe maybe it's it. <laughs> yeah, I think brilliantly shot. Um, the I music did... adds a lot to this too. I, I don't know if we're in that section yet. You go for it. Yeah, no, definitely jump the into it. Score rocks my socks every time I listen yeah, to it. I need I, to get the full version. I really like the score for it, this movie. It it adds when it needs to, and it doesn't distract. And mm-hmm. it uh, uh, I don't have the composer in front of me, uh, but good god, I need to play that again. Yeah, it's gotta be on my ha- Halloween playlist now. It was, it was very much, you know, if you're familiar with like the score, the soundtrack, whatnot for the uh, for Stranger Things, mm-hmm. it was kind of like that. It was that kind of like '80s, you know, synthesizer. You know, it was very unique in in its delivery. Yeah, yeah. Stranger Things harkens this a lot, and uh, that movie Drive, I think, also had a very similar complimentary soundtrack. I really like that too. I actually noticed the score in the beginning and really liked it, mm-hmm. um, but I actually like sort of stopped paying attention to it oh. throughout the movie, like about halfway. I think it, it, it didn't catch my attention anymore. Okay. I think that it caught my attention at all is definitely a plus. I think score, like directing, is the kind of thing that's sort of supposed to go unnoticed mm-hmm. overall, and if you notice it, it's probably like either wowed you mm-hmm. or it's like terrible. <laughs> right. And I think it's the fact that it caught my attention at all... Mm-hmm. And that I enjoyed it gives it props. But I think it's sort of like, at least for me, faded into obscurity a little bit in in the later part of the movie. Which is fine, mm-hmm. as that's what basically I would expect a score It's to supposed do. to get out of the way. It's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to help you subconsciously feel the mm-hmm. tone and emotions of the director's um, 
vision and the actor's uh, uh, portrayals. It's supposed to aid. Speaking it's not of, supposed to take away. Speaking of the actor's portrayals, I think there was something like left to be desired with the acting and maybe some of the writing as it pertained to the dialogue in this movie. Yeah. I thought some of the interactions were a little cheesy, a little like poorly delivered. I don't think the acting was atrocious, and I don't think it's necessarily distracting from the film overall, but there were definitely elements of the acting and of the the writing that I thought could have been done better. Yeah, this is definitely not immune to the horror genre cliche of the, the teenagers making decisions that um, seem maybe counterproductive to, to what they should be doing. I don't feel like it it wasn't bad you know there wasn't any ever any time where i was like you know what the fuck are you doing here but there were definitely times where like "Mm, maybe you should have thought about that a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know it i don't know i think it rode the line You, you almost need the protagonists to be a little dumb in order for them not to solve things quickly i i don't know maybe that's just my opinion but i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you that my initial comment was directed specifically towards like the acting and the and the writing for dialogue mm-hmm. but i completely agree with you that the writing as it relates to extant horror tropes especially like slasher tropes was a little annoying i i feel like in a lot of instances that's almost lazy writing mm-hmm. where like you basically need the characters to be making stupid decisions mm-hmm. to put them in harm's way whereas like developed writing is the characters finding themselves in these situations organically and and not by their own stupidity like if you run into him into a room away from a killer don't like go to the opposite wall put your back against it and then like shrink down to sit on the ground like you're running from something get the fuck away from it now do you think that we can excuse some of that given that all of the characters in this were teenagers no I don't know. This kind of shit annoyed me when I was a teenager. Like, to be fair, I have never been... respond to trauma in different ways. That's true. To be fair, I've never been placed in a situation where I've been running away from a person with a fucking knife. But, still, it's hard to watch somebody make such a horrible decision with respect to a monster coming after them. Like... This is the first monster ever, though. You know, their version of monsters are rubber men rubber suits that men are wearing on the C- mm-hmm. ctr tvs which should make the actual monster that much scarier like the scene that she's like first it, you know the scene that she's like first running away from the monster it's this very disheveled chick with a boob hanging out who's got like mascara smeared and is just pissing on the ground wearing one sock this is after the window was broken. So, like, even if that was just, like, a regular-ass person, mm-hmm. like, get the fuck away from that person. That person is unstable, dangerous, like, don't go near them, and your solution is to, like, run upstairs to your bedroom and just, like, sit. This, like, also, really? gives, this also gives us the rules of it, though. This is allowing us to see the shape change in real time. This is allowing us to know the rules of it. That's true. This what is do you mean? The I, I mean... Only Jay can see it. Jay is terrified out of her mind. She's going to... She locks the door, so she's trying to be in a safe space. Uh, she hears knocking. It's her friends. She doesn't believe it. She's terrified. They finally convince her. 
and you know, obviously they're not killing her. Knock again. It's the other friend. All right. Um, obviously, it can't talk. It's not saying I'm coming to get you. Um, nothing is ex ever exchanged. It's just a silent killer, uh, very Michael Myers esque. And and then this is one of my favorite scenes. Um, the lumbering giant that it transforms into because it transforms. The last time we saw it, dead hooker. Now, giant man. Coming in from the shadows. That was a good scene. I fucking almost died from a heart attack in the theater scene. That, that yeah. scene. Good yeah. scene, but she never should have answered the fucking door. She didn't want to. She locked it. She shouldn't have answered it for the the friend and Again, the and the sister. the rules. But he and explained she didn't all of the rules she, to her. She didn't <laughs> believe it fully at this point. She's still putting it together. This is the first encounter. There's a dead hooker in your house. Yeah, she got away <laughs> from her. And then the friends open it with, like, an attempt to attack. And the friends don't know. So the friends let it in. They don't see it. And she's a this dumb teenager. This is the rules. <laughs> she, I, feel, then, I feel like dumb teenagers, Colin, like, Colin, we need to do? weed out these teenagers. Colin, what does she do immediately after that? Fucking books it out there on a bike. On a bike. She <laughs> She don't have the fucking driver's license. I don't fucking know. But then she proceeds to go to, like, a park where she is, like, Again, intently staring in front of her, but doesn't look behind her. Again, as a young person, they're looking for a safe space. In front of her. Yes. She yes. I, ha I have exactly 180 degrees of safe. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole scene, I'm like, okay, turn around, though. Okay, but, but like, turn around, though. Like, just... Like, turn around, though. Yeah. And she never does, and it doesn't get Mark, her from behind. you're that audience member, then, in that theater. I know, but it's like, just turn around, though. Like. Yeah, and that's never annoying in the, in the movie theater, uh... is it? We're learning the rules of the creature at this and point. He that's already true. explained the rules, We don't though. believe the douchebag that Well, she clearly on. believed him because she ran away from the thing. If she didn't believe it and she thought it was, like, hallucinations or yeah, some shit. Yeah, but it was a freaking tit monster that was peeing itself. Like, it doesn't so. matter I'd if run if even it wasn't a monster. That's true. It's stinky. Yeah. It peed itself. Okay, so, no, at this point, she's in the park. Okay. She okay. has literally seen... The tit monster. The tit already. monster, yeah. and she's seen the giant lumbering monster mm -hmm. who runs behind her friend that nobody else seems to notice. At that fucking point, if you don't believe the guy who just explained all of this to you and you're sitting in a park, not looking behind you, it's your fucking fault if you die. That's true. Her decision <laughs> got then, marginally better at She then that. decides to leave. She then is very She's then very skeptical okay. of the guy walking up who's just Greg. It's okay. It's a, it's the hunky from across the street. Cool. All right. Again, we know he, he we're fine because he's talking to us. He's, you know, not, and everyone can see him. Cool. And we're getting out of there. Yeah. No, the rules are very vague and intentionally suspenseful. I guess that's true. We we do need, we, we did kind of need some of those rules to be tested and, and shown to us maybe as an audience. Now, I think as like, you I, know. Hey, don't get me wrong. I think those. Sorry to interrupt. I, I think those Ghost Hunter show, shows are bullshit, but some people legitimately seem scared. Okay. Fair. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Mark, but I, I didn't want to cut you off. Well, I'm very upset. <laughs> no, <laughs> forgive me. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I could. I, I think I see what your point is. You know, they kind of needed to be put in situations where, like, we could see, okay, no, that's a rule, and it's true. Maybe. Maybe I could give it a pass. I, I, I don't know. I'm see, but that's my whole thing is, like, I do believe that for the movie to advance, you do need those situations, but I think there's a way to write it that it comes up organically as opposed to 
being an artifact of the character's own stupidity or hubris. It's, and I, I, I sort of like... Where's Jay going to go causes, her home and the monster is it, going to walk right to her? It causes me to like resent the movie. Mm. It causes me to like get really like annoyed with the characters and want them to like mm-hmm. die. This is not... <laughs> and want them to die this this movie this is not the most egregious sin of this uh you know this movie is not like the most egregious offender of this particular thing Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is this is a trope of a lot of horror movies slashers in particular that they exploited that like it's not so terrible in this movie but the fact that it's there at all is a little annoying to me but again it's not like it's not like the chick twisting her ankle at the vital moment in a slasher film so it's not so bad that it it sits in your mind, but there there are definitely these scenes where you're looking at the screen and you're just like, why the fuck would you do that? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Though I do, I, I'm sorry, I have to backpedal. Um, Jay is actually a little bit smarter. She flees campus before this scene. Flees what? She flees her, her, her classroom. She sees it for the first time as an old woman in a gown walking towards her. Right, okay, so that, then, that sort of reinforces the idea that she already believes it to be real... Why the fuck she would doesn't, she? Why she would she answer already. the door? Why would she, she not didn't. turn around in the park? She still could. And she goes. <laughs> she goes and gathers her friends for support, and she still says to them in the back of the ice cream shop, "I still don't know what to do. I still don't believe it full, fully percent. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we're not telling the cops. We're not telling mom. This is stupid. I think I'm just. Uh, it's, she probably equates it to trauma that, from with know, the boy. That this is a good segue here. You know, you just mentioned uh, she. She had a mom. Yeah, she had a mom. Allegedly, this is some again. This is all. This is what I know. I'm like, wow, no parental figures. There were really no parental figures in this entire movie, and Absent, there were yeah. there were times where I was like, you know, okay, we've got like five teenagers who have just left in the middle of the night and went to this random ass lake house. They spent the night. Mm-hmm. They're like chilling there in the afternoon. Like, mm-hmm. you do you do you have parents? Do they care where you're at? Do you guys <laughs> do you guys have cell phones? I'm not sure what year it is. But, like, uh, no one cared about these kids. And maybe that was intentional. Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a sin. No, um, again, you said you liked it, how it had not to the Goonies in it at some point. That's true, yeah. No. Where were their parents? Yeah, Mom, the only scenes that we saw Mom in, I mean, she had a glass of wine in her hand, and she was kind of just vacant. Um, I think that, that must have been intentional. You know, I'm surprised we haven't brought it up yet, but this is very much... A story about sexually transmitted diseases. Yes. Oh, it's oh, totally it's, fucking. It's Why did we not lead with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so fucking obvious. It's slapping mm-hmm. in the face with it. Um, and by it, I mean the notion that it's a sexually transmitted disease. Oh, you see what I did there? Yeah. I, yeah. Set, I set them up and then I knocked them down. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah, there's these weird like situations in the movie where it's like, well, are you gonna are you gonna screw somebody else to like to like give it away? You know, and then you've got like this this the nerd character who's in love with the protagonist, and like like he he wants he wants to to help her, he wants to save her, he wants to take the demon away. You know, yeah. but like he wants to be the white knight. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's this weird kind of thing. Like, do I dirty myself by like fucking some random stranger? Mm-hmm. You know, and she does at at one point, or rather, it's it's implied that she does, and that clearly did nothing. At all, maybe gave yeah, her... Yeah, clearly she her, just killed a, somebody. Bought her a day. Yeah. Like, li- like, clearly what she did was she chose a target and fucking killed them. We are saying this after uh, Which is a little days. interesting. We just sort yeah. of, like, let her go with that. 
Is she it, definitely like chose she, to kill somebody. I don't think yeah. she took it. I don't think she did that lightly. She clearly seemed deterred uh, going into making that decision. And afterwards, she is driving home crying. But Bandage. I feel is like that is the, not an excuse. It's cr- not, but what she, crying does not like I absolve did, murder. But I never said, white women tears. I never these said white women Whoa, tears. hang on now. I never said it did absolve her of murder. I'm just saying. What are you going to do in a desperate situation when you don't have any authority figure to help you? Fuck when a you stranger. Yeah, when you don't have any other option to buy yourself more time, when you don't have anybody who would believe you anyway, what would you do to stay alive one more day to possibly get out of this? Definitely I, murder somebody. Maybe. I don't know. Would it come to that? I don't know. <laughs> but was Jay she, did. Was she crying? I don't have to say you have to like every one of her decisions. She, I have to say it wasn't an easy one for her to make. I think I think because the person died so quickly. I'm so glad you feel bad for random douchebag, faceless man on boat. <laughs> so it's okay to murder somebody. Oh my god. We don't I, have a connection to them. No, but I feel like the fact How many the fact that, still people. How many the fact that he died. Have blown away in video games the this fact year? that he died. Oh, <laughs> the fact that he died yeah. within a day. Mm-hmm illustrates the point that she did not tell him what she did to him we don't know that yeah i think we We don't know that i think we could assume i can i think we can pretty much assume that that is the case no why would you not want to buy more time by telling the truth that's what i'm saying what is is the yeah she would have bought more time by telling the truth and the fact that he died so quickly illustrates that and then okay so that stupid (laughs) faceless douchebag three on boat was an idiot why are we tim why are you calling him a douchebag he was literally just a silhouette on the water you could see you could see the douche oh you could see he deserved to die (laughs) i didn't say that you could say i could say you could see he was a douche from the water and he didn't believe the truth there were three males in a boat (laughs) throwing out having time with the bro type oh we should listen to their podcast we don't even know if they were bros three boats these could have been like three (laughs) fathers who were just trying to get out to do something they could have been fishing god damn it (laughs) sure then that would have been an emotional connection and i would have felt bad for that man oh my god yeah but a faceless nameless character i'm supposed to feel bad for instead of them not believing jay and her getting potentially a week a head start a day head start anything we don't know what went down. We just know the implications at this point in the rules. So we know what... And we know so many people don't believe at first. You know, we don't even know if she boned him because was she crying because she, you know, because she just effectively murdered a random stranger? You say murder. Or I mean, like, was she crying because she just fucked a random dude? Like I, you, you can't say murder. You can say cursed for sure. Oh, she you murdered him. No, she it's, cursed It's him. like knowingly having sex with somebody when you have AIDS in the 1980s. It is. It is basically a giving somebody a death sentence. That's. I that's mean, a that, that, that's a little insensitive. That's an autoimmune deficiency that slowly kills you over time. It's a fucking is, monster that kills you is tomorrow. An autoimmune <laughs> monster who fucking yeah. kills you slowly. I'm just saying, you never had to hold somebody's hand in the hospital bed from it <laughs> coming. That's in. true. It only breaks your leg backwards. Right. It's it's. <laughs> a rel- I'm sorry. A relatively. Jesus. I'm sorry that you have a problem with a relatively quicker death rather than a terrible, slow, agonizing we one. We don't know if his death okay, was so, quick or slow. So we, they all die quickly. <laughs> so we Look how quickly t- freaking like, how quick Greg died when his mom humped the shit out of him. So we oh, know. Oh yeah, we didn't even cover that. His that's mom humped awesome. the shit out of him. It can have, it can look like your mom and kill you Oedipus style. So we know where Tim's at when it comes to protagonists. It's okay if they murder people. Even if the death is agonizing, as long as it's not, like, a protracted death. You guys like Batman. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like Batman. 
I feel I feel <laughs> Jay Batman could. You know what? Maybe this a, argument is intentional. Maybe we're mm-hmm. supposed to be arguing over okay. the use or you know uh, of condoms. Right. When somebody climbs on our boat. Yeah. <laughs> when somebody climbs on your boat, that's right. You, you wrap it, okay? See? You practice safe sex. Otherwise, you're effectively murdering. <laughs> you that that's you're right. You know what? That is the deeper moral message of it follows. God. Abstinence is the only way. <laughs> only way. Abstinence only. Colin, Mark, you su- you support abstinence only in the schools. I can't wait for your kids to learn that. <laughs> I didn't say I had kids. Oh, I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say Mark had kids. <laughs> Mark, I, Mark, we posted your Facebook several times. Oh, God. Okay, um, so uh, we kind of just... Special effects, there really weren't any in this. This was all practical. I can't think of any special effects. I mean, even the scenes some where... quick change and some quick cuts. Yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that. I appreciate that about, you know, you, you can make a thriller, you can make a horror without having to, you know, just throw CGI at it, you know. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about intangibles? I think this movie had something we can talk about. I think it was creative. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely its creativity and its mm-hmm. originality fall into its sort of like intangible allure. Mm-hmm. You notice all of the monsters that we saw either had a tit out or a wang out mm-hmm. or were, I think, I mean, maybe not all of them, but many of them were sexualized. In ways that mm-hmm. didn't necessarily mm-hmm. fit, like like so we we talked about the mom scene where the mm-hmm. the mom jumps this this guy and Greg or whatever his mom his yeah his mom the monster as his mom kills him, but when when uh, when Jay kind of jumps into the house and she looks she turns around the corner and she sees this she she sees the mom or rather she sees the monster who has taken the form of this other character's mother killing him she's doing it sexually like she's mm-hmm. she's dry she's a succubus him. she's basically mm-hmm. sucking his life force out through his his wee wee yeah mm-hmm. so uh, and there's definitely like a scene where like a clip of the scene where they're like she's holding his hand like in a death grip mm-hmm. and i don't want to say there was semen all over it but there was there was definitely semen all over it did you guys notice that yeah mm-hmm. no. and it's un <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna gonna mention it during the movie but i was like the fact that nobody's talking about this, maybe I shouldn't mention it. Un- unidentified <laughs> liquid. Yeah. An unidentified milky liquid that's really sticky. And... Well, yeah, well, when uh, Jay gets uh, gripped by the ankle in the pool, there's hot welts left behind. So, again, I don't know what that's it true. does all the time. I think... Uh, it has different MOs. This is, I guess, intangible, but it's it's more on the negative. I think one one of my only issues with this movie, and I didn't have money, because, I, I, again, I, I meant it. I recommend it. I think it's a good movie overall. But... The rules that governed the behavior of the monster, while they were certainly, they were they were talked about in the beginning. They were mentioned several times, but I still kind of left wondering what those rules were because we saw characters who were able to strike the monster that couldn't see it, so we knew that it had a physical presence. There was a scene where they threw a blanket over it; it had a human form when the blanket was thrown over it but it didn't displace any water when it was in the pool it also didn't when they were on the, the beach, beach it didn't leave footprints in the that, beach I was he was able to hit time. it with a with a chair so it was there mm-hmm. but there was no footprints in the sand it follows it can't be followed 
Yeah, and mm. I, and I wasn't sure <laughs> what. That's real funny. That's fucking clever. It's on its business card. D- in your face, Pennywise. <laughs> one question that I had for this movie, um, or maybe I'll just present it to you guys, is this entity, does it have a geographic finite position in that you drive away from it? Yeah, does it like, doesn't like Ohio. <laughs> Fuck you, Buckeye State. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, they, she she drove for hours, and eventually... <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm Blizzard apologizing to China over here. We got such a fan base in Ohio, and I don't want to piss them off. God damn it. <laughs> But I, I yeah. definitely felt like the creature, like, appeared in some cases. Like, there was the scene where we had the nude man on the roof. How'd that happen? You know, did it just appear Climbed on the up roof? There? Well, and why did it happen? Like, why was it on the roof? It, it In all other scenes, it seemed to make a beeline. It knows where mm-hmm. Jay's room is now. Yeah. And if you had a metal door that you sealed yourself into, would it ever be able to get in to that to that room like i i don't know like how tangible was its existence was it entirely supernatural uh, i wasn't a hundred percent sure now I, nothing really pulled me out of the movie too much but and like none of the scenes seem to suggest that the thing took anything other than a direct line towards the person mm-hmm. which also sort of begs the question why was it on the roof like it should have smashed a window and gone in through the, like it did in all those other scenes, gone up the stairs and started smashing at her door. But instead, for some reason, inexplicably, it was on the roof. Yeah. And and you're right, Mark, like, that could have been within the MO of the monster, but it wasn't explained how or why. Yeah. I Now, for me, I, I don't know if it, for you, but again, I, I brought up this complaint. This, for me, is definitely a nitpick, though. Mm. It, it, it didn't pull me out, and this... Uh, I'm not holding it against the movie. It's just as I'm thinking about it, like that was something that I I had an issue with. No, yeah, and no, I think I think it's okay that I can climb a roof because it can climb some stairs. It's gonna get to the most direct way to you. It knows Jay lives on the second floor, and it's slow but not dumb. That's been established. Yeah, that it's actually so, said it's yeah. slow. Yeah, that's but actually it's not my dumb. quote. I'm gonna I'm oh. gonna jump ahead here. Yeah, jump in. Um, do we, are we ready for quotes? Well, I have an intangible that I really oh, like. Oh, all right, um, go ahead. This is more of an overarching theme that I really took away. More than just the STDs and more than the sexual awakening of the characters and the fears of the characters being tied to monsters. It uh, occurred to me that uh, starting right from the start, there's a desire for victims to return to innocence. Like, they want to take it back. Mm. The guy wants to be a kid in the movie theater just because it would be so easy to have your life ahead of you and just so not so worried. Jay wants to go back uh, to being daddy's little girl, kind of. It, it feels like she wants she wants the kind of... At least I got away from this. Um, she wants that family back. She wants her mom not to be a drunk. She wants her sister and her dad to be happy. She wants to move forward in her life, but also is holding on to the past. Yeah, um, there's there's definitely this aura of, like, once they've contracted mm-hmm. this monster or they've had mm-hmm. sex, that they are no longer innocent and they're that they're jaded. Hey, uh, yeah, Jay and Paul are in white intentionally at the end of this film mm. for purity. I didn't notice that. That's good. good I, I noticed that the first time through. I was really proud of myself in the theater. I'm like, ah, I get what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, so... They're lying but they're, because they're covering it a little bit with their jackets, but, um, so but they're trying. Yeah. I, uh, moving on to, on to quotes, this is, uh, first time, episode eight, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't have any quotes for this one. It, this, for me personally, wasn't tremendously quotable. 
Um, I again, that, that's not a knock against the movie. Um, yeah, I just didn't didn't have any this time around. Um, Colin, you you mentioned that, that you had one. Uh, I have two actually. The first one was uh, Paul had a had a line in the middle of the movie. Can't remember the entire quote, but I remember the middle part. So bear with me. The. So that was my that was That's my first one. Paul, so wise. No, no, so, so wise. The. Uh, uh, do you go the or the? Uh, it was the because of the context of the mm-hmm. sentence. Okay. Yes, he he was referring to um, uh, to an object right behind him. It was, it was very very dramatic. Um, so hold on to that one and look for it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't miss it because it's it happens real quick. Look for it in all movies. <laughs> uh, no, but my real quote. Uh, I really do like this quote from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's in the beginning when the guy who has sex with her and passes this on to her is sort of explaining the rules of the monster. He says, "Never go into any place with less than three exits. It's slow, but it's not stupid." And I thought that was kind of a cool quote because it sort of set up, like, first of all, it just sounds really good, but also it sort of sets up the monster as more than what it would appear superficially because the monster doesn't really interact much because it doesn't say anything because you can't see it doing anything other than following. There's the risk that the audience would interpret it as basically a zombie, as like a mindless idiot that'd be so easy to outwit. And that, that quote really helped cement in the audience's mind, like, no, this thing is actually pretty clever, and it will fucking find you, so treat it with, like, the respect and concern that you should. So I thought that was kind of cool. Tim, did you have any? Yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, and that's good rule building if this was, like, uh, harking into those zombie films. I like that, Colin. Um, let's see here. Uh, goes well with Tim. Mine um, has to stretch out a little bit. It's a very simple line. It's the pool scene. And they ask, where is it? What do you see? And Jay says, I can't tell you. Or I don't want to tell you. Because it doesn't pay... That line, Jay's like, what the hell? We've been through all this shit. Why are you not... Okay, whatever. She's sad. And he get and uh, it reveals that the it is an older white guy. Um, pretty nondescript. He just looks like what it was wearing this whole time. White shirt. Undies. <laughs> whatever. Grabbing at people. Throwing shit around. Little salt and pepper on the top. In the frame in Jay's room near the very end, it's Jay's father. Let's confirm that it's Jay's father there. Dead. You know, he's been dead. It's He's not around. Uh, he's been dead for a long time. It's implied through again some awesome silent movie storytelling techniques. Also, subtle nod to intangibles. Mm-hmm. For intangibles, that, for that, yes, for sure. I love that, and I did, and that was something new I realized in the picture frame this time around. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's why. I didn't pick up on that, but I, I, I missed it. My first I also time. missed it. I, I missed it my first that. time. You know. Uh, okay, so do we want to move on to ratings? Let's do it. Sure. All right, Tim, how we start with you? Do you want to start with the with the base of the iceberg? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the base. Of the, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Fair because, enough. Because Fair enough. Uh, for the first time, I'm getting into the 90s brackets. I am giving this a solid 9.0. Awesome, awesome little nods to the silent film and 1950s era TV. No, that's a bad rating. <laughs> that's too long. Five point. Uh, it's 9.0. <laughs> dead dads in frames. So 9.0, 5.0, 9.0. Dead dads in frames. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Add that up. Add, yeah, add that up. It's over. It's over I, 
fifteen percent. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, make, make sure it's you over, use a metric cal- over, calculator. Yeah, one hundred fifty percent recommend this movie. <laughs> Anybody take calculus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mark, what do you got? Um. Okay, I'm going with a seven point zero STDs mm. with Whoa. this one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was... Some of those you're going to have for life, Mark. They don't have a cream for all of them. Yeah, I was kind of jostling back and forth between different units of measurement here. I um, I was thinking maybe titty monsters, but I felt like that was a little too on the nose. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going 7.0 STDs. Hmm. The herp is forever, Mark. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> it uh, follows. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so... I really like this movie. I definitely recommend it. I think I got to take points off for a handful of things, but I think it's definitely like within the realm of things people should see. I'm going to go 6.3 toasters and pools. T's and P's. D's and B's. F's and G's. Uh, K's and Q's. Mm. K's and Q's, not in Q's. K's and Q's. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um... So is that pretty much wrap it? I think I think we can put a bow on this. Mm-hmm. Let's put it on again, guys, and have let's, a good time. Let's put a cast on this. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, you'll get that joke when you watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's all for the Elk Crep Review. We appreciate you listening. If you have any ideas for movie reviews or movies that you think we should review, email us at three. That is the number three, meninabasement at gmail.com. Until then, I am Colin Cloud. I'm Mark Culp. I may be to magic, but uh, maybe I'm breaking the rules of it. <laughs> we should definitely uh, walk away from Tim right now. Um, you can also check us out on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully we'll be there. And uh, we'll see you in cyberspace. Peace. Happy Halloween. Woof. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs>